Indeed, indeed. Small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. Indeed is the number one job site on the planet. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31, 2020. Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting another mother runner. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com. Take a much needed break with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. How goes it, Amanda? Hey, it's going well, thanks. How about you? Good, good. I am a little chilly, though, because uh, this morning, as we record this, it is Wednesday, October 14, and um, Molly picked me up at 7, and we went up to our beloved pond and ran three miles and then swam in swimsuits in the mist, um, with mist rising off the water, swam in the water. Oh, that sounds so nice and very brave of you. Yeah, it, um, you know, I, um, I'm not much for, I'm not a thrill seeker, but this is just adventure enough for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect level of adventure. I like it. <laughs> and, um, and gosh, it, um, before this, my latest I'd ever swam in the pond was October 9th. That was last year. I remember because oh, wow. it was the weekend after Twin Cities Marathon, you know, where we always go and um, yeah. do all sorts of events. So this year, we it's the water staying warmer. And so I'm stretching it out. So I have plans to go on Saturday as well. Oh, it's so great. Good for you. Yeah. And, um, but did then, you know, have about a 15, 20 minute ride, drive home and I got home and I was like, okay, I don't have a ton of time. I can, I'll eat first and then I'll take my shower. And after like a minute, I'm like, nope, scratch that. Gonna go take the shower first. <laughs> shower and warm drinks necessary. <laughs> yes, yes. So well, um, you are just a mere time zone away from me rather than being out uh, near Baltimore, Maryland. You are in Boulder, Colorado. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, my daughter, Audrey, and I packed up our things and uh, got in the car and drove across country. And uh, we're here for about three weeks. Um, my hope is to move out here in the next couple of years. Oh. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the pandemic, I guess, you know, gave us an opportunity. When, when else is everything in our world going to be fully remote. Uh-huh. Um, so um, even though Audrey has to be, um, because of the time difference, she has to be, you know, on, online with school at 7 a.m. here. Oh um, <laughs> um, it's working well, though. So we, we, we came across country and we're here and we're really just, I mean, taking full advantage of it, you know, getting in some stunning runs and stunning hikes and just, and oh, I love it. <laughs> where, where are you staying? Uh, we rented an Airbnb um, in a little town called Louisville, which is just to the east of Boulder. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of by design because um, when I relocate, I'm, I'm, you know, looking into a couple of these little towns. So I thought, why not, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, stay, stay in one of them. So it's given me a really good chance to check things out here. Very clever. Very pragmatic of you. Yes. yes. While, while still being adventurous. Oh yeah. It's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how long did the drive from Maryland to Colorado take you? Um, I think all told it's probably around a 26 hour drive. We, um, we first drove six hours to my brothers in Ohio and, and spent two nights there because we hadn't seen him since pre pandemic. Uh Um, and so that was really nice and broke it up a little bit. And then we drove from there to Iowa, spent a night in a campground there, and um, then drove the rest of the way um, on a Sunday. So, um, and we'll kind of do the same in reverse when we go back. You're going to drive in reverse all the way? I don't think that's very safe. <laughs> <laughs> Boom cha <laughs> uh. <laughs> so and uh moving on from that weak joke um you have been doing some trail running as you allude to including with a um someone probably a lot of people who listen to this show know 
You went running with Beth Risden of yes. Shut Up and Run. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I, um, it, you know, every time I come out here, um, I connect with her. We, I think we go way back to yeah. blogging days. And, yeah. um, and so, uh, yes, we connected yesterday and um, her idea was let's, let's do a sunrise run up Mount Sinitas, which is a popular um, trail here in Boulder. Yeah, I've heard and, of it. Um, wow. That was, oh my gosh, such a treat. It was just, just beautiful. Um, loved it. And uh, so it was, it was great to connect with Beth again. And um, she doesn't know it yet, but you know, I'll be kind of glued to her side when I move here. <laughs> Hi Beth, I'm your new bestie. Right, exactly. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's really nice to, to have her out here. And, um, and then I, and I'm, tomorrow I'm running actually with Brian Metzler, who you know also. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> fellow running journalist. So um, that's going to be another adventure. So um, it's, it's been great. Oh, I guess tell Brian, I said, Hey, I will. Uh, I will. Uh, so, and the altitude, is it, I, I sense it's not kicking your butt. Um, no, I, so I feel like, and I think, and I've read, there is a little bit of science to back this up, but that, I mean, when I, the very first time I ever went out to altitude, I remember running and like, it was hellacious. And, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like the more and more I get out here, the more and more my body just says, okay, we know what we're doing. I mean, not, mm. not that I have any more red blood cells, but just that it, it's like, okay, we've done this before. It doesn't have to be a shock to the system. And, and I seem to be doing okay. So yeah. No, 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 no. I'm blowing holes in that theory. You're just a stud muffin because <laughs> every single time I go to altitude, my body says, this sucks so hard, Sarah. <laughs> Let's go back down to that 77 foot above the level that you live at. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, there's something going on biologically here. And it's not, I, I just, I don't know. It, but it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's great. I love it. So oh, that's yeah, awesome. It. That's awesome. That's exciting. I didn't realize that you had um, aspirations of moving out to Colorado. That's very exciting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. So just all that has to be determined now is timeline. So yeah. Wow. Wow. But, but after your daughter graduates high school or no? Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. She, okay. she has two more years after this year yeah. and she's a bit open to that prospect mm. of, you know, spending her last two years here. So we, you know, she, it's a train for her to drive and, um, you know, I'll, I'll just follow her lead and it'll, it will work one way or the other. Uh -huh. And that's why earlier you were having a chicken versus duck conversation as yes, not for, what, that, for dinner, but for what to have in your backyard. That's right. Cause that's part of the negotiation <laughs> that if we moved here, could we have chickens and perhaps ducks? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> a small price to pay to get right. to move to your dream location. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a mule even that you can run with. No, no, no. Do not, do not suggest that. <laughs> Molly is all all keen on running with a mule. She oh, just, yes, the races. She, oh, she, you know, she's a, she went to veterinary school. She grew up in Ohio. She knows her way around farm animals and she is just all about running, doing one of those mule races. Yes, no, me too. I was supposed to do one in August actually. And oh. then, you know, the pandemic hit. So yeah. I, I had, I had an assignment to write about it. Even. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Um, well, um, this episode is a first. It is um, an intra podcast crossover um, within the AMR family of podcasts. And on Tuesday, Dimity queued up the topic on AMR trains, and the topic is running through grief. Now, today we'll be talking to three women runners who have suffered the loss of a um, loved family member or two, and they'll talk about how running helped them process the loss and move through the stages of grief, um, quite literally. Yes, it is a heavy topic, but in typical AMR podcast fashion, we'll bring light and levity to it. Amanda and I will talk with our first guest after this break. Please stay with us. Being efficient is critical, no matter what type of running you're doing, the sweaty kind, errands, or a business. You can strive and thrive when you're efficient. This is especially true when hiring for your small business or getting rehired. Indeed can help boost efficiency in the work sphere. You've heard me say it here before, Indeed.com is the number one job site on the planet because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, 
which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers, yes, 73%, visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AMR. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31, 2020. Halloween is around the corner and my girls haven't stopped talking about what it will look like this year. Will there be trick-or-treating? Will they be able to dress up? Will there be candy? All questions I don't have answers to quite yet, so I'm trying to find other ways to keep their spirits up during the ever-changing pandemic landscape. Enter KiwiCo. I've heard about Kiwi crates for a few years now from my friends, on my Instagram feed, and on my favorite blog, so I finally decided to get a few crates for my girls. We were all so impressed. First of all, they were excited to get a box in the mail with their name on it. So they quickly grabbed their packages and went up to their rooms and started working on their age-appropriate project. I only had to help Annie, my seven-year-old, with a few steps putting together the Arcade Claw project from the Tinker Line. Maven and Ella, who are 9 and 10, worked together for an hour without bickering, I might add, putting together a walking robot from the Tinker Crate line, which has STEM-focused projects geared towards 9 to 16-year-olds. Kiwi Co. crates not only keep them busy, but they ignited an imagination in each of them that has been dimmed in 2020. It gave them the confidence to start and finish a project on their own and learn high-quality engineering, science, and art projects at the same time. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com with promo code AMR. Lately, life has felt like running up a long, steady incline. Having a quick, reliable escape, like Dipsy Stories, seems more crucial than ever. Dipsy is the audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're in the scenario of your choice. They transport you without ever leaving your home. And there's something for everyone, whoever and whatever you're into. Find stories about the fulfillment of a long-simmering flirtation with a neighbor, an encounter at a costume party, hey, Halloween is coming up, or scenarios with multiple partners. You can relax. Dipsy stories are high quality, tasteful yet still sexy, with new content added every week so there's always something to fire you up. The site is now curated so you can find your, shall I say, reliable favorites and recently listen to stories more easily. There are now serialized stories, so if you get grooving on one scenario or cast of characters, you can keep the good vibes going. Heck, you can even listen to sexy stories based on your astrological sign. As a Pisces, I'm looking forward to an audio hookup with a lifeguard or maybe some seaside sex. Dipsy stories get you where you want to go, whether in the mood for your partner or finishing off solo. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com AMR. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipseastories.com slash AMR. Yes, Dipsy like the renowned running race. Dipsystories.com slash AMR. Our first guest is Kate Karanji. Kate is a tax accountant in Maple Shade, New Jersey. She's the mother of a teen son and has four older stepchildren. Kate lost her husband, Ed, suddenly in August. Thank you for joining us, Kate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we're, we're deeply sorry about your recent loss, so our condolences to you. Thank you. How are you and your son doing? You know, we're just trying to take it one day at a time. Um, that, that's really all, it's really all you can do. Um, it's, yeah. it's rough. It's, it's really rough. Yeah, I am sure. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your running journey and um, when you get started and, um, and kind of, you know, how much running, I guess you do typically these days. So I actually started running about 10 years, about 10 years and 10 months ago. Um, I read the Another Mother Runner book mm. um, right around the time when I was trying to lose weight. And I kind of remembered back to when I was a, a kid and a teenager and 
it, it always seemed for me that the only way that I could keep weight off was when I was running, playing basketball or, or soccer when I was growing up. So after reading that book, I thought that I would give running a try. Um, so that was really the start of my, my running journey 10 years ago. Hmm. That pleases me so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I really love how I found you that um, you are um, part of the Love the Run You're With 2.0 program that we're doing. And you were doing the, the first race was a relay, as um, listeners of the podcast know, and that your teammate, Su- Suzanne, who was um, the team wrangler, she told me, I forget what I had asked her oh I guess I'd asked her be on that relay show and she didn't reply in time she's like oh I don't know if I told you but she said one of our team members lost her husband the week before the relay he passed Mm -hmm. away on Thursday August 20 and the funeral was a week later on August 27 when she let us know she told us right away that she intended to run the relay but honestly as the wrangler in the back of my mind I was preparing for a contingency plan on the day of the relay the texts were flying back and forth Midday, she sent a text agreeing with the group about what a great event of fun and connection this was and added, today has been the first bright spot since my husband passed. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, really, I just have to ask, how did you rally to do that relay? I mean, it Um, was like, what, nine days after he died suddenly? I I think so. Something like that. Nine. Yeah, I think it was nine days. Um, since the quarantine hit, I've been running a lot more nearly every day, probably, you know, at least five or six days a week. Um, after Ed passed away, I, I didn't run for, I don't know, a week, a week and a couple of days. I, I can't even remember now. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I, I didn't want to let the relay team down, but I also wanted to get back to running. Um, so, you know, b- between the two, I just kind of made the decision that, that I was going to do it, that I was going to get out there and do and do that relay. And you know, even if I couldn't get back to running before that, 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 that would be, you know, my first run back after, you know, after he passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And, and I mean, what did that, what did the experience feel like? You know, it was, I found it pretty surprising how connected I felt to, to my relay teammates, even though they were nowhere near me, we were communicating, you know, via text or Marco Polo or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of a, you really didn't, I didn't know what to expect until I was in it. So what did it do for you or how did it feel to you? Um, having that connection um, to, you know, to the other ladies on the relay team helped a lot. Um, having something, something positive to do, um, you know, talking back and forth to them via text message, you know, leading up to and the, the day of the relay run really helped a lot. Um, the, the race itself, you know, was a, it was, it was a cathartic experience. Um, it was just, I'm glad that I did it. If I could go back, I, w- I would do it again. It, it definitely, it definitely helped, um, you know, both the exercise and the connection to the other, you know, the other women on my relay team. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, you, you mentioned to Sarah that running has been one of the few constant sources of happiness for you mm-hmm. um, and that your enjoyment of running forces you to take care of yourself when you haven't been motivated necessarily to do so. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that for us, please? So in, in 2010, when I first started running, probably about five months after I first started running, um, I actually lost my, my first husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually getting ready to do my first, it was a 5K mud run. Um, I had signed up for it. I, I did it a couple months after he passed. Um, so I continued on with my running, um, you know, to, to keep up with the weight loss, but because I'd also come to enjoy it. Um, and I found after that, you know, after that first loss that it, it did become the one constant and it became sort of a release for frustration and, and anger and, you know, all those horrible thoughts that, you know, swirl through your mind when you're grieving. And it was just something that I could do every day or nearly every day that was, you know, it just became my outlet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so you also um, it really leads into that. You also said in um, that earlier message to me, you said running helps me let out a, some of the pent up emotions that I sometimes have to push down in order to function. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I suspect pretty much that everybody listening now is either nodding their heads vigorously or crying because running is such an amazing and sometimes unexpected release. Mm-hmm. So can you share a bit more about what that feels like? Um, right now or in the past or both? 
Um, sure. Um, you know, so as, as a mother and as someone who's, you know, experienced a loss, um, you know, I still have to function. Um, I still have to get through the day. I still have to do my job. I still have to get done for my son what needs to get done. I still need to get done for my house what needs to be done. Um, you know, there's just so much, so much going on. And I do try to make time throughout the day for, for grief. Um, but sometimes it's just not possible. I just have to shove it down and get done what I need to get done. Um, but running has become that, that time of day. And I, I really do try to get in at least a, a short run every day. But it becomes that one time of day when I can just get out there and just just run and just let it all out. And that's my time. And, you know, maybe one day I might listen to, you know, some music and one day I might listen to a podcast and another day I might listen to nothing and just, you know, let my mind wander, but it's just, it's just the time to let it out. Whatever I need to, you know, to let my brain do that day while I'm running and however fast or however slow I need that run to go to get through what I need to get through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of what running's meant, you know, meant to me, you know, in general, but especially through the grieving process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you find that sometimes you're surprised by, you know, maybe before you go out, you're feeling, I don't know, you know, sad, and then you get out there and suddenly anger kind of overtakes you or, you know, I don't know, does it kind of catch up on you and surprise you what comes out? Yes. And sometimes, especially if it's the day after I, I didn't run, after I took a break, uh, even though I've been running for 10 years, sometimes I still forget how, how good it does feel to run. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I, I end up getting into a, a funk that day, the day that I, I took off. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't realize until I go to run the next day that I, I really needed that, um, that even when I do have a rest day, maybe I need to find something else to do to, you know, release those, you know, release those feelings, the frustration, the anger, the, you know, whatever it is I'm, I'm processing through that day. What sort of things come to mind? I mean, are you thinking about doing meditation, yoga? You know, I mean, I don't know, strength training. Like, what, what, what sort of option or knitting? I mean, what options come to mind for what you think about doing on those rest days? Because rest days are so tough. I mean, for for people who haven't experienced loss, I mean, I I speak from personal experience. It's kind of like I get a little a little twitchy, you know, kind of be like, oh. I don't know, the, the day doesn't start off the same way. And so you kind of, I kind of have to find my footing in a different way. So what are you, what are you thinking about? Um, I'll, I'll take walks. Um, unfortunately, I don't, I don't swim. I don't, I don't ride a bike or anything like that. So I'll, I'll usually stick with a uh, walk. I might do a little Pilates or a little yoga. Um, I might just flip through YouTube and see if I can find any interesting looking workouts on there and follow along. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to develop more cross-training options. Um, but especially, you know, since the quarantine restrictions, I haven't been able to yeah. get to the gym. So my options are kind of limited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to women who are, or, or men who are dealing with grief? Oh, <laughs> what advice would I we, give? We, we got, t- we got time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, I mean, as far as exercise goes, that 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 it really does help. Um, if running's not your thing, the you know maybe walking, swimming, biking, something, you know, um, going to the gym, you know, joining some kind of yoga group, anything. Um, it it really does help to to release a lot of the feelings that you know that you just have to shove down during the day that that you're just having a hard time working through. Um, that's my biggest piece of advice. And, and another would be to just take care of yourself because that's something I really haven't always done through the grieving process. Um, like I said, um, you know, I, I've taken care of myself enough that I could run, mm-hmm. but, you know, neglected it in my health in other ways. And that's important because that definitely has a huge impact on your mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, do you, do you, um, you mentioned um, that, that sometimes um, when, when you're running, you know, that, that you do it with a podcast or um, music and then other times, you know, just kind of allowing yourself to, to listen to your, to your thoughts and feelings. And um, do you, how do you kind of choose, 
you know, like where you are with, with your grieving and your running and, you know, which one's going to kind of serve you best on that any given day? Um, I just kind of, as I'm preparing to head out for my, for my run each day, I'll kind of, you know, take stock of how I'm feeling at the moment. Um, you know, I, I might look through my phone and see which episodes, which podcasts are, are on deck um, and just kind of take it from there. Um, every once in a while, I'll throw in a, a, an audio book too. I think it was on actually this podcast that I learned about the Libby app. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I, I started listening to two books on there. I found that I could consume even more books now between reading and listening. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah, Libby is a lifesaver for me, particularly during the pandemic. And, um, that, and then also I like it because then there's no ads. You don't have to, you know, it doesn't end halfway through. It's like, oh, okay, there's chapters and chapters more mm-hmm. to come. So I mm-hmm. can keep going. So yeah, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. And you are um, most certainly in our thoughts. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Best wishes. Thank you. Our second guest is Tanya DeMauro. She's a university research administrator from Franklin, New York. Like Kate, Tanya also has a teen son and she has a relay connection. Tanya is on the Seneca 7 relay team with our columnist and occasional co-host, Adrian Martini. And uh, Adrian's written about Seneca 7 a few times, so that's maybe why it sounds familiar. Tanya's loss came in the form of a one-two punch. Tanya's mother died in June 2016, followed by the 2018 death of Tanya's father. And um, keeping up with the every other year pattern, this March, Tanya underwent a single mastectomy for breast cancer. Wow. All right. Um, I think we like the odd number of years better, Tanya. So um, I'm thinking maybe just those from here on out. (laughs) Um, Welcome. Welcome, dear Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. So Tanya, um, take us back and tell us a little bit about your running journey, how you got started and and, um, what it's looked like since then. Sure. Um, I got started really late in life. Um, it wasn't until just before my mother's diagnosis and, you know, and eventual death that I actually um, picked it up. I've kind of run sporadically throughout my life. You know, in college, I, would, I was friends with athletes and, um, you know, would go out occasionally, but it really wasn't something that was a big part of my life. Um, and, um, you know, I would go to aerobics classes and things like that, um, but, but running wasn't really um, until very recently, it wasn't, um, wasn't something that I had kind of dedicated myself to. Um, nice. Nice. And, and so I know you mentioned in your response, um, that, um, you know, running really kind of started clicking for you, um, when your mother was going through cancer treatment. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how that fit into the, the picture, um, as, as your mother was being treated? Yeah, so um, I actually, it started a little bit before that. So um, late in 2017, am I right? No, 2015, sorry. <laughs> um, I had kind of turned to running as part of um, trying to expand my ability to cope with anxiety. Um, and so I was seeing a therapist and at the same time, um, you know, I was trying to shift from some, some unhealthy habits to something that was healthier. Um, so I kind of started, you know, running a little bit more here and there. Um, my mom went into the hospital for a hip replacement in January of 2016 um, and was diagnosed with metastatic uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And it, over the course of the next six months, it was really um, running gave me um, something that was kind of served as an anchor as as we were going through her treatment. Um, you know, I, I, I live about two hours away from, from where she lived. Um, so there was a little bit of a distance, but I would still, you know, when I went to doctor's appointments or whatever, um, I would still try to keep running as, as a focus. It was, it was just something that allowed me to take my mind elsewhere for a little bit. Um, so it wasn't until then, um, you know, over the course of those six months while she was receiving treatment, um, in March, no, I'm sorry. In, in just before she died, I actually ran my first half marathon. Mm. Um, and so it was really something that, um, you know, and I don't know if it's a function of, of having gone through that with her or if it would have happened otherwise, but um, it certainly was of such tremendous value to me 
as we were going through that as, as a family, you know? Um, so it was really, it really kind of became a bigger part of my life over the course of that. And then over, you know, in the, in the interim, when, before my dad passed away, it, it really has remained central to my life, um, which is kind of an interesting <laughs> turnabout from, from where I was, you know, back in my twenties and thirties, um, you know, when I, when I wasn't really running, it's, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised to see me, uh, running the way I do now. So <laughs> we all, we all have to change. It's so hard for people who knew us at a certain space in our life to be like, wait a minute, wait, That's wait, not wait me anymore. didn't you used to smoke dope and like right. stay out really late? Like, <laughs> You're all healthy now. What's going on? What's up with that? You're not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so, my mom was actually surprised by, you know, she, she always, uh, she would tell me, you know, you always go to extremes. And so she thought that, oh. you know, running training for a half marathon, that was like very extreme to her. So, oh. um, so that <laughs> I think she thought I was a little crazy. Oh, but it must've been also nice though, to have, you know, that to talk about with her in the hospital. Cause you know, I, I find visiting someone in the hospital can kind of be like, okay, yeah, you, you haven't done a whole lot since I last saw you. So it's, yeah. you have to bring in the stories. So, yeah. And both her and my father were always so proud. I, you know, I have mm. a brother and they were always just so proud of us growing up. Um, and, and, you know, I think to the end, they, they both were, were super proud of the fact that, that I had done that or, you know, could do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, of course they were proud of you. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 So, so via email, you detailed to me how running was quote, a sure thing amidst a lot of questioning and uncertainty. Um, I think a lot of people are probably feeling the same way about running during the pandemic. Um, so can you talk more about that notion, please? Um, I, I think, you know, knowing that you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to go for a run and that's kind of a, a chance for you to either engage your mind or disengage it. Um, you know, I think that that provides something again, it's like an anchor. Um, and, and, you know, I really liked the title that you put with this um, episode that it's running through grief and not around it or away from it mm. <laughs> because it really does, uh, you know, it, it kind of gives you time to, to chew on things Um and I think, um, you know, when you can kind of count on yourself and your ability to, to carry that out day after day, that's, there's something to be said for that. Um, you know, whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one or you're grieving the loss of, you know, your routine and um, kind of any sort of certainty in this crazy year, mm -hmm. um, you know, running definitely, you know, for me, again, I, I like the, the word anchor because that's really what it has been mm -hmm. um, over the past four years. Um, and I get that that's not that long in the grand scheme of things. And there, you know, certainly um, if, if nothing else, I wish I had turned to it earlier in my life. Um, but that's certainly what it's become for me in, over the past couple of years. Nice. nice, nice. Um, well, I, I can relate to your story a bit because I, I lost um, both of my parents in 2017, 12 um, months apart. And I know mm. running, you know, was such a huge help to me throughout the whole process. I mean, I even... Um, I mean, I went, went for a run the morning of my dad's funeral, I remember. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so it, it's really allowed, it allowed me a lot of time to process, um, my grief. And can, can you talk a little bit about how, um, that's worked for you in, in terms of the processing while running? Yeah. You know, I, I've spent, um, I, there are a lot of times when I go out running without distraction, without headphones, and I, I live in a really rural area. Um, and, and what that's allowed me to do, um, you know, being out in nature, one of the things my mom loved was being outside. And, and so it just allows my mind to kind of wander. And, you know, as somebody with anxiety, sometimes my mind wanders into rabbit holes and then, you know, has trouble extricating itself. But, um, you know, I just find it's, it's soothing to be able to kind of chew on a problem or, or kind of have a free flow of, of ideas going through your mind as you're working up a hill or, you know, just kind of enjoying the scenery. Um, I, it's just, um, I, I don't know what happens to my brain <laughs> when I'm doing it, but, um, you know, it, it's certainly, it, it allows you either to step back and, and kind of concentrate on what's going on around you and not delve deep into questions or, or um, you know, the anger or the, the sadness that you feel. 
Um, or you can kind of plunge yourself into that. And, um, you know, there were plenty of times when I was crying while running. <laughs> so, wow. you know, and, and that, that again, I think um, your previous guest mentioned the word cathartic. And I think that's, that's exactly what it is. There's something about, you know, sweating and, and knowing your body can kind of take this, you know, and, and um, applying that to your emotions as well. Um, like you're going to be buffeted by this. You're, there are going to be some times when you're going to be, um, you know, moving slowly up a hill, but that's okay because there will be a crest to the hill and there will be a downhill after that. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I was furiously writing that down so we could use it as a quote. (laughs) 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 Um, So, so my dad died in May, 2018. And I find that it's when I'm in motion that I most often reminisce about him. Um, Mm. like he, I've talked about before on the podcast, um, he was a avid swimmer back in the day. And, and so I think about him a lot when I'm swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, do you find that to be in motion that it allows you to, um, you know, play back, um, scenes and memories with your parents? I I do, but I think, um, you know, both of, neither of my parents were very active physically. Uh, my mom would go for walks. Um, but, you know, I think, in part, just kind of seeing them as older people has, has motivated me to keep moving. Mm. Um, I don't know necessarily, you know, the connection with my mom certainly is there because I'm outside again in nature and she, Mm -hmm. she would, you know, stop and and look at, you know, every walk would take twice as long because she would be looking at everything. Um, But, you know, I think moving, just understanding that as we get older, as, as our parents get older, that keeping them moving, that keeping ourselves moving is so important to kind of overall mental and physical health. I think that's really kind of what, what I kind of have in the forefront of my mind in terms of um, a connection with my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, certainly uh, movement is, is freeing um, and, and that might be maybe, maybe that's it about it that, um, you know, that being in motion, um, having your mind and your body kind of connected, but separate, I guess, um, is, is, you know, I I don't necessarily have the connection between physical activity and my parents. It's not, there's not like a direct line the way there is between Mm -hmm. you and your dad with swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can certainly, I think that's lovely. Um, yeah. So uh, we know you recently sold um, your family home um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that is, it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of, um, you know, it's a whole nother type of loss as well. Um, And it's a stressful process. Did, did running help you manage that? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, running has helped me manage so much. Um, You know, I have a pretty stressful job too. And, and so, you know, I think any kind of bucket of stress that you have, again, you know, I think, um, there was, I think it was Kate when she spoke to Dimity earlier this week, you know, the Mm -hmm. stress, uh, your body doesn't kind of know the difference between the types of stress. It's just Mm -hmm. all stress. And, um, you know, while going through the process of, you know, letting go and going through, you know, thousands and thousands of snapshots that, that my parents have collected over, you know, 52 years together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was all incredibly emotional. Um, and it might've just looked like the sale of a house, but it, it was, you know, all the contents and all the memories wrapped up in that. Um, so yeah, it was really stressful and, and running um, again, it was that anchor that I could come back to no matter what was going on, whether it was being in a hospital or going to, you know, dealing with a realtor or people, you know, Know, painting and fixing up the house, you know, it was all, um, it was a lot to deal with all at once. And um, running definitely helped me work through all that. Mm-hmm. And have you, I realize it's an unusual year um, for many reasons, <laughs> but um, do, do you find, because there, you might not have a, um, any races to choose from or very few races to choose from, have you been on, have you had any sort of training plan laid out or do you just kind of wake up and decide what to do based on what you feel like you need? So a friend of mine, also a mother runner, and I signed up for the heart rate program for a a virtual half marathon, Uh um, actually in, it's the Port Angeles, Washington virtual half marathon. Um, Go go um, across the country virtually. (laughs) And I used to live in Washington state. So that's perfect. Um, um, So we're training for that. We're in week 15. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I really do, you know, I, I find that, um, 
having a training plan, I, it's something that I, and again, I think it's because of the anxiety thing. Um, you know, I, I like having that in front of me and, and kind of understanding exactly what I'm going to do every, mm -hmm. from day to day. So that's been really, mm -hmm. um, really helpful. And, and again, anchoring, grounding. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest lesson to be taken from that is actually when I'd apply to grief too, um, in that, you know, grief is overwhelming and it and it's it's horrible and, and while you're going through it but there are moments um when things aren't that hard and it's important i think just as with the heart rate plans it's important to remember that things don't always have to be hard sometimes they're not hard and that's okay um and and some aspects of moving through you know getting rid of things in my parents house for instance um, some things were easier than others to get rid of. And, and I, I had to learn to not beat myself up because I wasn't feeling miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that um, resonates with anybody, but um, you know, it doesn't always have to be a struggle. Sometimes there will be moments when you just can sit back and have a recollection of something that passed between you and, and your loved one. And, and that's beautiful and, and you should hold on to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't always have to be a constant struggle. Right, right. It's thinking, you know, that it's okay if you laugh during that time. It's not a, right. you're not, um, you know, being a turncoat to the, to the family memories or to the sadness that is kind of pervading your life. Yeah. You know, they're, they're even on the cloudiest days, sometimes there's some uh, bright spots. And yeah, that's, that's a really well, good way to put it. Um, you know, I, I think, um, somebody told me as I was going through all this, that there's no wrong way to grieve, mm -hmm. um, that, that everybody does it in their own way, in their own time. Um, and, and you need to kind of check in with yourself and not rely on outside judgments of how you're, you know, responding or behaving um, from moment to moment, you know, making arrangements that somebody disagrees with or, you know, because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of second guessing of yourself when you're going through something like that. Like, am I okay? Is this, is feeling this way okay? Mm -hmm. And I think the thing to keep in mind is that if you're feeling it, you're feeling it and, mm -hmm. and that, um, just keep, keep it all in, in perspective, I guess. That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so given that the death of a parent is alas, very likely on the horizon for many of us, um, is there any other advice that you can share? Um, I, yeah, it's something that, you, you know, death is a part of life and, and grief is a part of love. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody's ever prepared for it. Um, but, you know, I think I had um, a super strong support system in my family, um, my husband and my son. Um, you know, it, with, particularly with respect to my son, I think um, modeling grief for kids um, is not, uh, you know, you should do it. Um, you know, I, I didn't hide very much from my child. And, um, you know, he saw me go through the worry about my mom initially and then the grief over her loss and then again, the worry over my dad and, and then his loss. Um, and I think understanding that it is part of life, as difficult as it is when you're going through it, um, it's something that's of value to pass to children. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wouldn't necessarily hide, you know, hide, certainly don't hide your feelings from them as you're working through it. And then again, you know, running as an anchor, um, I think even, even when you don't really feel like a run is going to be very useful to you that day, um, I think in the end, all of us have the experience where, you know, you think the a run's going to be one way and you go out and it's, it surprises you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe keeping, keeping that in mind as well as you're, as you're moving through um, all the different feelings that come with grief. Um, because it's, it's not just one feeling, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's, it's being happy at times, thinking back on, on memories, it's being frustrated, it's being angry at the fact that they left you, um, you know, it, it just, I guess, be prepared to be unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Tanya, you have been fantastic. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. I'm so pleased to have been able to do this. This is really, I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, good luck with your virtual race out here in the Pacific Northwest. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye, Tanya. 
Our third guest is Emily McConnell, a high school teacher in Somerville, South Carolina. Emily is the mother of three, including a daughter named Margaret who died in utero. Emily originally reached out to AMR to see if we knew of any resources for parents, or this is the way I remember it, for parents who have suffered such a loss. And Emily and I emailed a bit and we agreed it would be a great thing if she could share her family's story on the podcast. So um, I'm pleased to be finally talking with you, Emily. Thanks, me too. So before you tell us about Sweet Margaret, please tell us how your family grew this year. Well, we had um, a baby on July 1st named Elise. So she is three months old. And then in January of 2020, we um, became foster parents for the first time. Um, we had a six-week-old baby girl for about a week, and then luckily she got to go home to her um, family. And then we, about a week after, January 13th, we got a four-year-old who is now five, boy. Um, and so he's been with us for, gosh, I guess nine months now? Wow. A long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know he just started kindergarten, which must be very exciting. Yes, he did. He loves it, but he's always so tired. He has to go to bed after dinner basically every night. <laughs> Nothing wrong they, with that. <laughs> no, they, they start really early. So oh, huh. that's interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. So, so please share with us the story of your loss and, and why you and your husband wanted to share this experience with others, please. Um, so I found out I was pregnant in September of 2018, um, with our first child who ended up, um, we found out she was a girl and we decided to name her Margaret after my great grandmother on my dad's side. And then her middle name is Bernice after my grandma on my mom's side. And I had a, they kept saying perfect pregnancy Every time I would go in to the doctor, they said I was a perfect patient. I was taking my um, prenatal vitamins. The baby was always cooperating during the ultrasounds. They could always find her heartbeat on the Doppler. Um, and then at my 37-week appointment, I went to the um, doctor for my 37-week checkup. I was by myself. My husband was taking a test for his master's degree um, to finish it. And I went into the room and they, the doctor was trying to use the Doppler. And she said, it seemed to me like it was taking a while, like a minute, but I obviously was completely oblivious. And she just said that she had dropped the Doppler. Um, so she would go get another one. So I was just thinking like, okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. <laughs> She's always like so fast to um, you to find her heartbeat. So she came back in with what she said was another Doppler. I don't really know if it was or not. And she said that she still um, was having a hard time picking up the heartbeat. So she wanted to move me to the ultrasound room. So she said she'd go check with the um, ultrasound tech to make sure that they had a opening um, to get me in. So um, it was in the same office and everything. So she just um, moved me down the hall and then the sonographer put the wand on my belly and was showing me like baby's head down. Here's her um, heart and just kept saying like to the doctor, like doctor, I'm not going to say her name, but like was waiting for the doctor to say something. And mm. I had no idea what was going on. I wasn't hearing any noise, but I had only had like two ultrasounds, I think. So I didn't really like, I couldn't remember, was I supposed to be hearing noise? Do they like, do they have it on mute? And then the doctor um, finally just said like, Emily, I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And I just rem I remember being like, what? Like they had to like tell me again. And I, I just didn't understand. And I was like, so, and the ultrasound tech was like, there's no fetal movement, like no fetal movement in the heart, no cardiac rhythm. And I was just like, what, what do you mean? How, how is this happening? Is she like dead? And they told me that she was. And I just, uh, I mean, just the worst words you can ever hear are mm -hmm. there's no heartbeat. And so she had me go back into the room and asked me 
you know, if I wanted her to call my husband or if I wanted to call my husband and obviously I knew I had to call him, but he had been taking that test, but I looked at my phone and he had texted me that he was done. And so to call him when the appointment was over. So I had to um, call him on the phone to tell him I needed him to come to the doctor's office because she was dead. And mm. he, I think, didn't really understand what I was saying. He kept mm. saying, what? And I was like, there's no heartbeat. You need to come now. And I think he still thought like that I was just, I don't know, like, I don't think he understood what was happening. And I remember asking the doctor, like, how should I tell him? Like, what do I say? Cause I had no idea how to tell someone their baby had died. And she told me that I should tell him that I had a intrauterine fetal demise. Oh, and I just remember, yeah, I just remember thinking, okay, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> now I like understand the term, but I just was like, I'm not telling him that he's not going to understand what I'm saying. Um, so that was May 9th. So, um, we, May 9th of 2019. So we went to the hospital, um, later that day after we went home and got our hospital bags and took, um, got our dog taken care of. And on May 10th of 2019 at 1021, um, Margaret was born. She was five pounds and 10 ounces and 19 inches long. And she was, um, beautiful. She had a lot of hair. Um, little curls on the top. Um, and... Oh, Luis, it's okay, sweetie. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, and so she, um, or so I it gave birth just like you would with a baby who was alive. Um, so we decided we wanted to um, share our story um, because having gone through um, the death of a baby, um, we've gone to like a grief group and we have met so many other people who are in the um, semi same situation as us or the same situation or people who've had to um, terminate due to medical reasons or um, just a lot of people who have dealt with the loss of a um, baby um, and even some infants. So we, um, I guess just wanted to share so that people can um, be aware that this happens mm -hmm. and that it's um, like normal to feel like your life has just fallen apart and to try to incorporate that child that has died still into your life. So part of it is to share, to help people um, hopefully to normalize it. So instead of people trying to be like, oh, it's okay, just be happy, you know, to understand mm -hmm. that the grief and is normal for the loss. And then also to share about Margaret because she, you know, is very much a person, um, mm -hmm. you know, we had to make all the decisions you would make if, you know, she was your grandparent who died or, you know, your parent, we had to figure out whether we were gonna bury her or cremate her what funeral home we were going to use, all of these things when I had, you know, even before I delivered her. So mm -hmm. it was a completely different experience than what we were expecting and then what we experienced with her baby sister, Elise. But um, mm -hmm. so we like to share about her because, you know, she's our daughter, but also mm -hmm. so hopefully people realize how common stillbirth is. And there is, um, in most cases, ways to prevent it. So getting that knowledge out there as well. Um, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, shifting gears a bit, um, tell us about your running background. Well, I've been running for, I was trying to think the other day, whether it was five or six years, but, um, I've been, it was six. So, um, I've been running for six years. Um, when I was a kid, I played soccer, um, just for a rec team, not competitively, um, and so when I started running as an adult, my mom was like, used to hate running in soccer. You didn't like getting sweaty. What do you mean you're running? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I just, I like it now, I guess. Um, so I People think it was change, a surprise. Mom. People can change. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a surprise to my family. Um, part of it, I guess, is I moved from Michigan to South Carolina. So now the weather here is, you know, basically you can run outside all year long. And in yeah. Michigan, it was, you know, I mean, you can run, but do you want to? So. <laughs> 
Um, and and I think you you mentioned um, that that you did some races while you were pregnant with with Margaret, and I don't know maybe about maybe with Elise as well. Tell us about that. Um, I did do some races when I was pregnant with Margaret. Um, I ran a um, 5K called the Coco Cup um, here in the Somerville area. Um, that was in December of 2018. So I guess I was, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe I was like 17 or 18 weeks pregnant. So I was in the second trimester. Um, and then I think that was the only race that I did, but I ran throughout the whole pregnancy until I was about 32 weeks maybe. And then I still ran, but I ran walked. So I would like mm -hmm. run two minutes walk five or whatever I needed to do. And then, um, oh, actually 33 weeks pregnant, I wrote it down. Um, so, um, at some point I started just not being able to run consistent miles. Um, and then I actually, um, did not run any races with, um, Elise. And in fact, I, um, didn't even, I ran and then I, I so I ran with Margaret and then, um, after she died, I ran again. And then with Elise, I ran the day before I found out I was pregnant with her. And mm -hmm. then I didn't run after that. Part of that was because I was not in as good a shape as I was before I started running with Margaret. Um, I had just ran a half marathon before I got pregnant with Margaret. So I was, I felt like in the best shape of my life. Um, so with Elise, I just decided that I was going to, um, walk a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and you also had your, um, you had your foster son. So you had that added into the equation too, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so all loss is difficult and heartbreaking, but um, you know, the loss of a child seems especially, well, I, I guess shattering is the word I would, I would use. I mean, so I mean this question literally, like, how did you move forward after Margaret? Like, you know, how, how did you find the, the fortitude to pull on your running clothes, tie your shoes and, and get out the door? Oh, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, some days it still is. Um, one of the things I think was, I, obviously my life had turned upside down and it was nothing like I thought it would be. And so one of the things about my identity was that I was a mother but I thought being a mother was going to be different. You know, I thought people would be able to see that I was a mother. And then I was also a runner. And so I just felt like I needed to get out and run. I still had postpartum bleeding. I mean, I, I went running nine days after I delivered her because mm -hmm. I just felt like I had to move and I just went a mile. Um, and I like <laughs> broke down crying afterwards, mm -hmm. not because mm -hmm. I was in emotional pain or physical pain, but just like emotional. Um, and then once I did it, uh, that first day, the nine days later, I just kept doing it. It was something that I guess like made me feel better for a little bit of time or made me not feel better, but at least I was like outside. Um, mm -hmm. it was like one thing I could do for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did, did you have any running friends you could lean on for support during that time? Um, well, actually, no. <laughs> um, yes, but my sister was, a, um, I got her into running, and so she was a, a support, but locally, um, no, my running friends um, were basically my husband, because he runs too, mm -hmm. um, but... So we would run with each other occasionally, but um, he, at the time, obviously had not been pregnant. <laughs> so he was obviously just in much better shape than I was. Not that he didn't like wait for me or anything, but he had a local running friend, so they would run together. But no, I didn't um, have like a best running friend or anything locally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have mm -hmm. friends who run not locally, but... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So sadly, there was no running and crying and not looking at people in the face. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we um, I've asked this question of of our other guests earlier, and um, has running been a, a good place for you to process your grief? 
Yeah. So I listened to the episode that pairs with this one. Um, and a lot of the things that the therapist was saying, I can't remember her name. Um, mm-hmm. I, was it Kate? Kate. Yeah. Yeah. I like resonated with, and I was like, Oh, yep. Yep. Um, so she was saying, that, um, like focusing on the breathing is like calming. So running is helpful for that. And, um, just, you know, your body stores like the emotions until you process them. And the best way to do that is with, mo- is with movement. And I definitely felt the same way. Like I would be, I mean, I didn't have any problem like crying, not running, but I would run and it would get hard. And I would just think like, I just birthed like a dead baby. I can certainly like run this mile or two miles. And that just like, I would think like, the whole time just about different situations. Like I, she was saying that sometimes it's good to run without music or podcasts to, you know, process. And I definitely was doing that because I felt like I just didn't know what to listen to that would like relate to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I either would listen to like, we made a playlist for songs that reminded us of our daughter. Um, And so I would listen to those like purposely because I knew they would make me cry (laughs) and, uh, you know, like be bawling as I was running and it was hot. So I just, you know, I assume people probably thought I was sweating and I had sunglasses on, but yeah, I think running helped me process the grief and the loss in general, just through moving and being Mm -hmm. able to control my body and obviously trying to find things to be thankful for in the midst of like, you think your whole life has like fallen apart, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can still move my body. Mm -hmm. You know, at least I didn't die during childbirth, I guess. Like, you know, I, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So um, so you seem to enjoy racing. So, um, you know, how long was it before you set a running goal for yourself or, or has that day yet to come due to your second pregnancy, becoming a, you know, parent through the, foster system the pandemic, and on and on having a newborn um so I did after Margaret died set a goal for myself which was just to make it up to running um three miles again like without mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. um and then that was you know I was not trying to think too far ahead but I was I think mm-hmm. I wanted to run like four times a week and just um, work on getting back to three miles. Um, And I told myself like I was going to go even if it was 95 degrees outside, (laughs) you know, because it's hot here. Um, And so. um, Well, at least we are almost done, sweetie pie. She listened to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So then, um, so I made it to that three, that three mile um, goal at some point. I stopped, um, I wrote a journal, but I stopped writing in it once I got there. And then um, the day before I found out I was pregnant with Elisa, I'd actually ran three miles. So then once I found out I was pregnant and I stopped running just, um, because I wasn't in as good of shape, but also I had a lot of, um, not problems with this pregnancy. Cause obviously she's alive, but like body mm. physical problems. Like mm. I could hardly walk at the end. I had like a large, a very large like sciatic problem oh, probably yeah. from two pregnancies. So close together, like two full term mm-hmm. pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, and then now I am much better. Um, so <laughs> Now my goal is to run um, three times a week. Um, so I ran, uh, I, I just made this goal. <laughs> so I ran, um, what's today, Wednesday? So I ran Monday and I ran a mile and I had to walk a little bit. Um, but my goal is just get back out running. Don't be too hard on yourself. Know that it's going to take time. You haven't ran in you know, since November 9th. So, um, but as far as races, yeah, because of COVID, I, you know, I don't, I could do a virtual race, I guess, but um, right now I just need to get back, I think, to even a racing mileage of a 5k. (laughs) Well, I think it sounds like you're taking a wonderful approach and thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing Elise with us. It's wonderful to hear her and um, take good care of yourself and your family, Emily.
Yeah, thank you so much for letting me share. All right. Well, I'm so grateful for those three women for sharing their stories with us. And, and um, I'm hoping something resonated with the people who listen. So, um, so, all right, as we alluded to a couple times in that, um, 2020 has been um, quite a year. And um, in our Train Like a Mother Club, our trusted um, sports psychologist, uh, Dr. Justin Ross, is doing a starting a program that starts on Monday the 19th. And it is called Putting Out the 2020 Dumpster Fire, a Mental Health Toolkit. Um, so, um, Jay Rowe, as we call him, is, you know, um, going to address things like unpredictability, lack of control, isolation, you know, just um, kind of all the curveballs that have been um, sent our way and then having to deal with it kind of on our own at times um, about having to dig deeper and juggling 24-7, um, celebrating resilience. Jay Rowe's going to kick that off on October 19th. And it goes through December 13th. So hopefully you can end the year strong. Hopefully good things are coming our way in 2021. Um, there's a lot of Zoom sessions and um, kind of worksheets. And um, anyway, there's going to be a private Facebook page. So uh, there are still a few spots left in that. So if you want to sign up for that program, it is um, at trainlikeamother.club. And um, once you're there, you can search for um, 2020 Dumpster Fire, because that's actually its URL. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> because we don't shy away from that, I believe it's under special programs. So uh, oh, no, it's under Nutrition and Sports Psych. That's where it is under the go to that little hamburger menu on the top of trainlikeamother.club and the drop down menu is Nutrition Sports Psych. So again, that kicks off on um, the 19th. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by that man you heard talking just now, Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm -hmm.